It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome, it's Time Enough Podcast, where we talk about episodes of The Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Today is with me. Today is with me. Yeah, sure, why not? Hi, Andrew. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little backwards there. I'm a backwards man. Backwards <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, you know, that's you've, you've recorded how many other podcasts today? I mean, you... Just one other. It's not really the end of the world, you know. <laughs> it could be podcast fatigue. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, of course, I brought you here because you're a massive baseball fan. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think I know any massive baseball fans, at least not any that want a podcast. So, no, uh, I mean, I would be a fan if an actual massive baseball showed up because it would probably maybe fall on someone and that'd be funny. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. But, uh, yeah. I mean, not me, a- but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a big bouncy ball. It might be fun. It's like oh, no, Patrick, that would. Like Patrick McGowan constantly getting bounced by that ball in a prisoner. Sure. <laughs> you know, and then it would it would possibly take out more than one. Uh, that's, well. usually the, that's usually the funniest part of the prisoner. So <laughs> when Rover shows up. <laughs> that and when he screams with no reason to scream. That's also fun. But uh, anyway... <laughs> Today, the mighty Casey, a, a baseball-themed one. Why did I try writing this as the prologue? Portrait of one Rodman Edward Serling, age 36. He is sitting by the pool and dictating this episode of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote it that way. <laughs> I guess I just got that image in my head. You know, it's like near the end of season one, and he was like, oh, God, I got to crank out another script, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I- I mean, I'm not saying like it's a crap episode necessarily, but I'm just saying like I imagine like he was having his own little bit of fatigue. By the- well, he was. That, that's like documented. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of the few comedies, you know, like out and out comedies. I mean, yeah. there's no. Gosh, there's there's really not any sort of darkness to this that I, you know, that I can. I have I can- some for you. I haven't finished the trivia yet. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, has it got to do with the original uh, leading actor? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then okay. something else. There's actually a few things in this episode that are not so funny, but uh, the air date was June 17th, 1960. And the music is by somebody named Stock. Um, <laughs> so, like his work. Yeah. This is one of those. Okay. Here, here's where the things get. Uh, I got some darkness at the beginning and some darkness at the end. Uh, okay. <laughs> the directing credit is shared between Alvin Ganser and Robert Parrish, the latter of whom also directed season one episodes, one for the Angels and a stop at Willoughby. The other one sounding like it's a baseball episode and it wasn't. Um, mm. the, the reason for this is that the base, that baseball manager, uh, Mouth McGarry, was originally played by Paul Douglas, who had a similar role in 1951's Angels in the Outfield. Douglas died a day after filming Wrapped, and the producers decided to recast him as they noted that his ill health was actually quite visible on screen. 
So thus reshoots were necessary and Gonzer was no longer available. So Parrish came in to pinch hit. Um, the mouth McGarry we get on screen is played by Jack Warden. He's one of those character actor faces you know, and he would later receive Best Supporting Actor nominations for his roles in Shampoo and Heaven Can Wait. Can wait, can't wait, can wait. Did I type it wrong? I don't remember. I suppose he got. I suppose he got on well with Warren Beatty. Um, he'd win an Emmy for his role in Brian's song. Abraham Sofar. Oh, okay. S O F A E R. How do you say that? Sofar. Sure. Played Doctor Stillman, the Burmese-born actor had a career that evolved from Broadway to film to television. It's the last of those that caught my fancy as Sofer. Sofer appeared on two episodes of Star Trek and appeared in other sci-fis like Lost in Space and the Tyne Tunnel. I've got to also note his role as Haji, the bastard of all genies on I Dream of Genie, as well as serving as Peter Tork's um, Swami in the monkey's film Head. Huh. And yes, the, uh, the other bit of darkness, Casey was played by Robert Sorrells. He's another one of those guys that showed up on every TV Western, but also another one of those guys that stumbled into the real life Twilight Zone. In a dark turn of events, he was tried and convicted of murder in 2004 and died in prison a few years later. So it, I got to admit the number of disturbing fates attached to season one Twilight Zone actors is, is uh, kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, the Oh, what was the original McGarry? What was that guy's name? Uh, dun, 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 sorry, I scrolled up. Uh, Jack Ward. No, that's not with me. No, that's he, he is new one. He, he Paul Douglas. Paul, Paul Douglas. Du okay, so from what I remember reading is that Douglas, like they weren't digging. I don't think Serling dug uh, him from the get go. He had a bad feeling about him, but yeah, like like uh, like you said in the trivia, he was actually like. There was visibly something wrong with him, and their assumption was that he was drunk. But his his agent or manager, whoever, was like, "No, I assure you, you know, he's definitely not." And uh, he was, yeah, he was, he was like dying, <laughs> right? So they filmed all, they filmed that, and then uh, from what I understand, they didn't do a whole lot, a ton of reshoot. They did, they saved everything that they could have. Right, because you know they were having to go back to that. It's not even a real stadium. It's uh, it's some kind of Hollywood stadium, like some kind of set or something like that. I think. So, uh, yeah, then yeah, then he died, and they were like, you know, should we just scrap the show? And they're like, no, it already, you know, you're you're in the hole for this one. So they had to. I think Serling paid with it with his own one. Yeah, yeah, and, and definitely it's kind of like. I guess there's enough of him in it that, that is an ex somewhat extensive reshoot, even if you're saving a fair amount, because he's on screen for quite a bit of this. So, yeah. Um, here is a prologue for you to tell us. All right. Here we go. Now, my Serling, having heard the great one that was done by one of your other guests, uh, my Serling is going to be. Uh, getting weirder and weirder as it goes. <laughs> this is baseball so, serling, baseball announcer serling. Yeah. If you want to what you're it. looking at is a ghost. Went to life with now deceased. Went to find a time with a baseball stadium that housed a major league ball club known as the Hoboken Zephyr. Eh. Now it houses nothing but memories. 
and the wind that stirs the high grass of what was once an outfield. A wind that sometimes bears a fart. I mean, faint, ghostly resemblance to the roar of a crowd that once sat there. We're back in time now, when the Hoboken Zephyrs were still a part of the National League, and this mausoleum of memories was an honest to Pete stadium. But since this is strictly a story of make-believe, it has to start this way. Once upon a time, in Hoboken, New Jersey, it was tryout day. And though he's not yet on the field, you're about to meet a most unusual fella, a left-handed pitcher named Keith. I'm left-handed. Except Jimmy for music. So, oh, no, music, I'm right-handed. I'm, I'm left-handed for everything except music, which makes it easier to buy guitars, fortunately. But oh, baseball yes. bats, I don't think baseball bats would matter. There's not like a left-handed base. There are, well, gloves there are, sure. But uh, mm-hmm. yes, I would play baseball left-handed if I were to play baseball, which I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. <laughs> Especially not at this age. <laughs> it's not time to start playing baseball by any means. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Where are your knees at? Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think either of us are even sports fans, but I, you know, I've had a few baseball hits. Sorry, the pun. Oops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I remember like a few blocks from our house growing up there being like kind of a card shop and just it being kind of fun because we could like walk there and not have to get someone to drive us there and yeah. that being a destination just because it was there <laughs> yeah yeah um there wasn't a whole lot in the way of the things we were interested in it was the other 7-eleven right so <laughs> yep. that's where i got my issues of heavy metal now we get korean barbecue it's too bad we aren't kids there now <laughs> Korean barbecue. My whole existence would have changed if I had that easy access to Korean barbecue. We'd be sitting here like 300 pounds during this podcast. I was going to say, I don't know that either of us would be like vertical at this point. Um, And the other one is I I did sometimes as a kid, like put on the radio of a game when going to bed, like kind of as white noise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That kind of worked. Like, I didn't really care that much about, like, the game or who won or any of that. It just made good white noise going to sleep or something. Uh, my my fraternal grandmother, who also lived in our neighborhood, she was a big um, Atlanta Braves fan before they were uh, had, had had any sort of success in our lifetime. Um, and so she would wear her satin Braves jacket while um, out walking the neighborhood. And the kids at school would clown me because the Braves were notoriously awful back then. And then uh, she passed away right, um, right during their winning season. Like the, the first, that World Series winning season of the early 90s there. Right, right. So it was almost just like, uh, maybe, you know. She kicked their ass from the afterlife, I like to think. Mm-hmm. That's like Philip K. Dick, you know, not, well, I guess he did actually see a kind of Blade Runner, but, and, you know, like instantly croaked or, yeah, actually, like I said before this, we were doing a contact podcast. And we we're like, did Carl Sagan actually see this first? Because it was like about the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. weird how sometimes those things kind of line up that way. But uh, as far as this is, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, we got enough sci-fi in here. We have our, our Android. We have our, you know, the data, Lieutenant Commander data of, of baseball here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to call him. Oh, no, I'm thinking of this movie, Brian and Charles, that I just watched about a guy who builds his own uh, artificial intelligent robot. 
Oh, okay, that's fine. Well, there's what there's ex machina too, right? So I mean, it is, oh yeah, oh well, that's a that's a classic. I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen someone you know try and build a lifelike robot. We've we so when you know sometimes we're like, is it the first time on the Twilight Zone? It's like, no, nah, we had Metropolis. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, it is one of those lighter episodes, but I don't think it is. I don't know. The message is like really, really clear. I think. Okay, go what go ahead and give it just in case. I mean, I guess so, but yeah, say it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is uh, when when um, well, the the plot is that um, you know, Casey is a robot, and of course, um, they see him because they're you know the the doctor reveals like, oh, I I brought him to you because you're the suckiest teen around, and <laughs> and so that's the best way to to uh, to help anyone uh or show what it can really do by letting him join a losing team and seeing how he can turn it around of course he's really great at pitching and they they begin to win and this is all kind of compressed what they show and then uh yeah he's he's hit and he goes to the hospital and that kind of surprised me because i was like okay well they know what the story is why are they taking him there Well, yeah, that was weird. And also he gets hit with a ball when you first see it and it like clung off of his head and he's fine. And so it was odd to me that it happens again. And then suddenly he's out. Um, So, yeah, they took him to the hospital. And the thing is, they're they are trying to hide the fact that this guy is is a is a robot so that no one accuses them of cheating. But of course, when they get him in the hospital, he doesn't have a heartbeat. And uh, they're like, well, he's got to have a heart or he's not a man. And if he's not a man, he can't be on the baseball team because we've got rules about this. But once he gets the heart, you kind of know what to expect. He's going to he's going to do something that anyone with a heart would do, which is don't you, you know, he no longer has the competitive spirit. He just wants to play. And of course, these guys are, you know, hate that. That's like <laughs> playing any board game with me. <laughs> like, aren't, aren't you trying to win? Actually, no. <laughs> I just like moving the thing around the thing. <laughs> I don't want you on my team. No one wants me on their team. So I'm with Casey. But yeah, so uh, the doctor gives him a heart, not unlike the uh, you know the Wizard of Oz or something. And he's like, hmm, I think I want to be a vegan. No, what does he want to do? Oh, he wants to he wants to be a social worker or something, something like, like that. that. Let's see if I put that in. Yeah, and he so quits the he quits the team, and so. To me, the message there is just like, well, if you've got a heart, you will care about others, you know, and uh, that to me is is, uh, you know, is pretty kind of on the nose for Twilight Zone. Well, I'm looking at my notes from a few weeks ago where I wrote no true baseball player has compassion. Um, Bastard. (laughs) He just wants to help people. (laughs) What a bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, but, you know, there could and of course you could read into that knowing Serling's personal politics yeah. and just know that that's kind of a glossy sort of metaphor for the way that he believes one should behave. I mean, for all I know, he maybe just detested um, a competition and things of that nature, you know, and the kind of attitudes and uh, people that uh, come out of the competitive world, mm, you know, can't, can't pitch with a derpy grin on your face. <laughs> that was great wasn't it yeah so yeah i i know that a lot of people who twilight zone were like okay well he's got a heart so is he gonna like 
murder somebody or you know is he well apparently you know, he you're, is you're well holy shit right um but i'm gonna look that up because i didn't know about that uh i think that um yeah i don't know if this is a favorite episode because there isn't so much to it but i think it's one of my favorites because there isn't so much to it is i don't think it's it. a, well i i think it's i love watching twilight zone episodes one after the other you know and this one is a bit between some creepy ones and heavy ones so um you know if this was on you know its original air date or whatever people that were couldn't wait for the next you know uh gotcha story or whatever were maybe disappointed but when you sit and watch them like i do on a marathon uh it's great it's like mighty casey's here everything's gonna be okay because <laughs> you know this, the, the endings aren't beavis. always this way yeah, we did get mr beavis two weeks earlier but <laughs> mm. so there, there's that but i i think this one like you said because of the production issues actually was i think it was like originally going to be like way earlier in the running order like closer to like the start of the season even and uh ended up near the tail end yeah because jack warden was in one of the earlier episodes um uh what was that one uh the lonely right that's the one that i most would like maybe that's even a problem because that kind of takes the same issue and does mm -hmm. it like really kind of like you know philosophically deep where this one's more of a giggle it is and but you know i i think it needs both twilight zone to be to have the sort of di timeless dynamics that it does um I don't know if I could keep watching episodes that end like the lonely ends. Oh, of know? course. Yeah. That that's the, that's the, let's get the hell out of here ending. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You but, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's certain moods. Like I, I do, I watched this one probably three or four times as usual. And I enjoyed watching it each time. So don't, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm not slamming. I'm just saying, yeah, obviously it's a little more of a, a trifle or something. <laughs> I mean, the week yeah, I before mean, this was after hours, so maybe people did need a little bit of decompress. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I'm what I always think about it as, because um, I didn't originally as a as a young person, I didn't watch them in order. I watched them in whatever miscellaneous order that the TV station would play them on New Year's. But uh, in the age of DVD, we can watch them in the original sequence. And yeah, Mighty Casey is just more of like I don't know. I really like. I know they're critically would have been nothing really to dig into necessarily um but, i was actually uh, sitting here though thinking i was going to be like okay let me read off the um comedic episodes of season one and we can compare but then i'm like well some of them are, is it a comedic one or not so it's it's open to interpretation so but my uh, mighty casey is is most certainly if not funny well gosh jack warden is just hilarious <laughs> and so he gets a lot of really funny lines in, in the show and so, but I, I think though it could be classified, I would classify it as comedy. This one for sure. I, I was just looking at some other episodes such as um, What You Need, which has some comedic elements, but, you know, still is a little, has some rawness still. You know, Time Enough oh, yeah. at Last is, is somewhat comedic, but, you know. <laughs> God, it needs it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It needs it as well. So that's just, just good writing. Yeah. Elegy has uh, some Captain Wacky music, but they all end up you know getting 
murder or poisoned so yeah. uh, whereas this one just has like hey the, the robot's got a heart and he doesn't want to play anymore sorry the baseball baseball team is, is closed go home yeah <laughs> but you know th- but that's great for thinking of the time period and um what masculinity was supposed to be and what masculinity was supposed to look like and mean and what men's behavior was always supposed to be um the fact that he had no heart and he played this masculine sport with all men. And then once he gets a heart, he wants to actually help people. You know, I, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, like a lot of Sterling stuff, very bold for its time. Um, but uh, I would, it would have been interesting to just be on the a fly on the wall in the average household uh, and see that sort of, you know, like, oh, that stinks. Or, you know, what are they saying about me? I like baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah, what did you make of uh, Doctor Stillman? He's, he's, I guess he's the other notable character here, other than well, yeah, Casey and and the uh, and Mouth. Yeah, well, what's interesting about Stillman is that though he didn't give him a heart, it was I feel like Stillman's heart that led him to create this um, the Casey in the first place. I didn't think that um, you know his sole purpose was. Oh, let's see if we can, you know, because a lot of times you have these movies where like, I didn't create him as a weapon, but they're using him as a weapon. He he didn't seem to be like, okay, well, I want this baseball team to win because I was somehow going to kick back or whatever. Uh, he, he just wanted to help them. And so I think uh, Casey with a heart more mirrors his creator than perhaps Casey without one. That could be the case. And just yet, yeah, uh, just having the ability to make your own decisions, right? Because he is, it's uh, obviously he's a bit more without a heart. He's more of well, he is an autonomous. It's like go and pitch, you know. <laughs> no, and that's sort of the way that they wanted to use him. You know, had they made him more robot looking, you know, of course they couldn't. They couldn't tell the same story because the whole point is that he he can pass as a as a human being. But you know what I mean? Had they had it been sort of known that he was a robot in appearance, I think that would have been, uh, they could have maybe gotten away with having just be sort of functional rather than have any sort of humanity to him. Well, I think we did actually, I mean, not here, but we did kind of get that a bit of that vibe in uh, the, is it the second renaissance of, of the mate the animatrix mm. where they do show very robot looking robe, you know, robots trying to join in with, regular society and you know it doesn't go well at all oh god well see but that reminded me of robocop 2 where their attempts to create another one they all killed themselves i don't know if you remember that was a very disturbing part of that film oh yes you may have heard on my recent robocop it's oh there's robocop and i I think they made something else (laughs) (laughs) i'll admit i have i don't tend to revisit part three but i did not hate that uh remake that they did didn't hate it. In fact, I found the images of Murphy uh, all splayed about um, with the parts that they did keep uh, to be equally as disturbing as anything Verhoeven did in the first one when Murphy is because one thing he spares us with all that ultra violence is actually the sight of what's left of Murphy mm-hmm. and the uh, remake didn't do that. Yeah, no, I, I both that and the Total Recall remakes appear like the, the biggest issue with those movies is they should have called it something else <laughs> yeah i total recall was there like no no mars in it at all 
if no I remember Mars, but they do pass through the center of the earth so there, yeah. yeah there's a little bit of a cool the, the book doesn't have mars so okay well i just remember thinking like okay schwarzenegger doesn't look like an everyman at the beginning <laughs> of this story you know he already looks like some sort of a superhero um i have my same feelings with the the shining i don't feel that jack nicholson looks like the most sane fellow as oh, soon as you see him He's not so from the start in that movie, which is to me it's the charm. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I would always wonder what Robin Williams would have done with it. You know, why did I write this stop or my mom will pitch? <laughs> Sometimes I don't know why I write these notes. <laughs> That's funny, dude. I mean, I get that reference. <laughs> I I do like um. Well, I guess we, we haven't been shaking hands much recently, but, you know, there's always the, the manly handshake where Casey, heartless Casey, just, you know, basically goes around breaking hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He get, he all but crushes Jack Warden's hand to the point where even after a long scene, long after the handshake has taken place, he's clearly been, you know, suffering the, like, the effects of that handshake. Oh, here's where they push the... Uh, quote unquote comedy a little too far those those ball sound effects were just like wrong okay they let these slide are the, whistle yeah um talk about not showing stuff uh most of the most um like extraordinary things that casey is able to do as a pitcher do not happen on screen it probably for budgetary reasons um they he's got a uh what do they say he had a corkscrew or what was it that he does but clearly all the characters are sort of following the slide whistle sound and it appears <laughs> as though he's doing something with a pitch that's just so out of this world that it's kind of hard to believe nobody was like oh robot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't think robots can break the laws of physics people <laughs> or burn it <laughs> kill it with fire <laughs> well that would be the fear though i mean that's kind of what like how how does when they discover he's a robot at the hospital there's a we'll just give him a heart everyone's cool with it they aren't like wait a minute what (laughs) yeah no and it's kind of surprising how um how agreeable the the official then becomes when it's like well okay put a heart in him like okay a few questions (laughs) no one yeah nobody questions it it's like of course we'll do it we'll get him back on the team what did the newspaper headline say? Casey struck, was it? Beaned. Beaned. Oh, that's why I wrote this. Okay. See, I, I'd pay money to have that headline changed to Casey T-backed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that, that would rival Legs Cut Off from Blood Feast as the perfect newspaper headline. Uh, would it, though? I mean, Legs Cut <laughs> Legs cut off is weird. I used to do this and I, I got, it could have easily just bounced back at me, but when I worked in news composition, I could have easily changed the headline any night to legs cut off exclamation point just randomly, you know, instead of, you know, Georgia wins, legs cut off. <laughs> it doesn't so look many, bad. So how many times did you do that? A few, but it got to where I was so scared that we might actually run that. <laughs> but I have like a, a printout of you know, like, a you know, a, a large format laser printout of one of them. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That'll be a story, though. What, uh, oh, you don't work at the paper anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <is> that? <laughs> what happened? What's the story there? Remember well, that paper a few months ago? <laughs> and everyone. 
I don't know. Hey, hey you know, they would have promoted you because that would have just sold. That would have flown off the racks. Uh, through the, yeah, no, I, I would hate to have been whoever was in the photo under that <laughs> giant masthead. Because, you know, they had ones that were for breaking news. Like, I think they called them uh, some crazy, like, nuclear war or something like that or disaster. Like, they had a, a template for some just, like, horrifying or, you know what I mean? Just gigantic. <laughs> It's like, well, this one's doing legs cut off. I just want to see what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, that that is a horrible photo to have on the front. Not good for the breakfast edition. Yeah, I don't even know if tea bagged would have fit. No, it, it didn't. I just thought it was funny. Oh, you mean like the, the letters? Wouldn't <laughs> yeah, fit? I don't think it would have made it in there. They could have used like, you know, a, a thinner font or something. <laughs> yeah, some headline too. Like that big one would be war and then huh, good God, y'all as the subhead. <laughs> I've, I've had people I, i've been lazy and sitting down in chairs too hard and going and making a huh sound and uh, i think it was twice within one week two different people were like whoa <laughs> <laughs> the same joke happened like within a week with completely That's pretty different people because uh i sit down like an imbecile apparently now <laughs> Let's do a few questions. Question one, of course, is who, if anyone, entered the Twilight Zone in this episode? Oh, my goodness. I almost feel like that's a behind-the-scenes question. Oh, behind-the-scenes? It certainly yeah. was. For this one, given it... Keep it on screen for a moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hmm. Maybe the coach went to the Twilight Zone? Yeah. I mean, well... Yeah, because I'm thinking he didn't like he loses his job shortly thereafter. But I guess that was it looked like he was about to lose it anyway. So, yeah, no, it was going to happen. There's this guy doesn't have a future where he is. I mean, maybe the doctor is of the Twilight Zone, but he's just like a really it's a, it's a really like toothless version of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I wouldn't. I when I thought about him, that was one of the questions that came up first with me. And I'm like, no. So. And I don't think Casey, because we know where Casey went. Well, I was actually going to throw it out. Um, maybe he's having a bit of a reverse Twilight Zone, whereas in a lot of Twilight Zones, someone is like, you know, agency is taken away or some sort of consciousness is warped, whereas Casey starts off that way. And by the end of the episode, hey, I'm good, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Casey's kind of like a rogue. So maybe he did go through the Twilight Zone. He just took the reverse journey because I guess we're to assume he's relatively sentient at the end of the episode just because he has a heart. I don't think okay. that would do it really, but maybe it does. I don't yeah. know. In the rules well, of the episode, I'm, it does. I'm fine with saying this. If you watch the Mighty Casey in reverse, Casey goes to the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Okay. So it's a reverse Twilight Zone, mm -hmm. which I'm does, good with that. Okay, it makes my second question a little like more like I don't know what, what to say about though. Like, does the person who went into the Twilight Zone deserve it? <laughs> I, I feel like we didn't even nail who who we are talking about. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Well, if we go with my original answer, which was the manager. Okay, let's go, the, let's go to the manager. Okay, so if we go if we go with that, um, I think, yeah, I think so. I just feel like he wasn't affected that much by the Twilight Zone. Like, if anything, it's like his team played a couple months longer than they might have otherwise. 
I, I don't know. I mean, hell, I, even that might not have changed because I mean, even if you're a terrible team, they can't. They don't just like cancel you in the middle of the season, do they? You eh, play out the season. He, he was cheating. Yeah, yeah. So you think that if if Casey had not been on the team, that they would have uh, maybe just continued as a terrible team? I know he he would have definitely lost his job, but I think that now, given the you know, you take the story as it is. Um, yeah, if he went to the Twilight Zone, he deserves. So he, yeah, he was a, more than he got then. <laughs> yeah, well, at least that. I mean, if we're talking about like some sort of justice system as dictated by, you know, this particular episode, I, yeah, I feel as though because you don't want. It's one of those things where you you want to see him win because of how much of a loser he is, but you wouldn't feel good about. You can't really feel good about how he did it. And he ultimately, I don't think, could have either because he's a cheater. <laughs> so you're just pointing a finger and calling him a cheater. <laughs> I mean, but you don't do that in a board game because you don't care. Yeah, no, I wouldn't okay. care. But no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling him a cheater because that's what I think of him. I'm calling him a cheater because he—that's what he is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get. It. I just, I just, I just had an image of you know like, taunting the guy like a. Like a, like a five-year-old wanting a guy or something. <laughs> oh, my God, no. George Carlin had the best thing about, about Monopoly. He's like, you know, some guys would be like, oh, man, you're coming down my side. <laughs> <laughs> he just would talk about how his heart wasn't in it, you know. He yeah, would have yeah. plans, excavation, but no actual property. You know, some guys really care. That's <laughs> what he said. It's like, I've played with a few of my brother-in-laws that way. Let's place this guy on the tripometer. That's our zero to five. Why? What do you want to give it? Mm. I can give my answer first if you want. I usually well, wait, but I'm thinking like two, two and a half. Okay. Are you going higher than that or lower than that? I'm going to make you explain your two or two and a half first. Because, um, the idea of the 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 robot was is kind of like okay but the notion of being able to give him a heart like wizard of oz style it makes you wonder like oh god okay it's functioning somehow so like what did he do Mm. you know exactly like did he have inside any sort of organs or circulatory system or did he just give him like something that beats and if so why does he have a conscience because of it they so, just take a pig heart and like toss it inside <laughs> right like clunk clunk you know <laughs> like some uncooked chicken so i yeah i i uh i get I, I put it there because no in terms of twilight zone and we don't want this to be an exception because it's one of the lighter ones or a comedy in terms of twilight zone no this doesn't reach a solid three or four for me this is it's on the low end but only because of that curiosity that i had it is weird. Okay, I had my answer spring-loaded. One, baseball's not trippy. <laughs> okay. Baseball's, baseball's the opposite of trippy. People do trip, but not... Oh, didn't some pitcher uh, pitch a winning game on acid? Isn't that I like hope a, so. an old story that's... Uh, I think that's you know Bonham, what I mean? Bonham played for like three hours on acid, man. But, uh, oh, well, that's I, I, different. I, I know it's different. <laughs> Um, yeah. He uses sticks, though. You know, it's like a baseball bat, so drumsticks. Uh, I want to hear this. I, I don't think I've heard the, what you're talking about. It looks like you are about to tell me. 
Okay. Um, his name was Doc Ellis. Um, I feel like I recognize played, the name. Played uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, threw a no-hitter on June 12th, 1970, and later stated that he accomplished the feat under the influence of LSD. Hmm. He was a starting pitcher for the National League in the All-Star Game in 71, and later that year, the Pirates won the World Series. So they should make an educational film about about taking drugs with that situation. (laughs) I mean, it it does sound a bit like, you know, he... He did. He he did have a drug problem, and yeah, you know, yeah. Later. What's what's the Bill Hicks headline? Um, local teenager takes LSD and learns the meaning of reality. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, good old Bill. But yeah, that's a that I I couldn't remember who it was, but I remember once reading about him. So yeah, his name um, was Doc Ellis, and uh, yeah, he died in two thousand eight, aged sixty three little on the young side but you, you know oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing with athletes like uh, you're basically putting yourself in an early grave most of the time oh you're trashed yeah and now what they're saying about athletes who have gotten covid uh, yeah. you know the long-term effects of an athlete mm. versus a non-athlete yeah mm. it's yeah yeah we were just talking about how you know like muhammad ali just he was spent what 15 years so much at his prime that once he has passed it he just fell apart you know <laughs> I mean, it's that's the way I remember it. Yeah, is uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, in baseball, I think I feel like people tend to retire a little later in baseball. I want to say <clears throat> about my age is when you retire from baseball, if I remember correctly. Like, oh, yeah, 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 early forties, uh, mid forties. If you're really, if, if if you're like, if you're a Quaid or something. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen um? Dennis Quaid's Twitter account. I think it's his Twitter account. Um, I mean, I'm sure I've looked at it once or twice because it was in an article about his art, his Twitter. Called like the Quaidasons or something, and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really bizarre. I mean, you're like, oh, okay, yes, he is he is related to Randy. I get it now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's not it's not Randy bizarre, but it's weirder than you would think. Let's put that. Oh way. no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think he they'd let him have a Twitter if he was a Randy bizarre. <laughs> I don't think it's it's was it the Hollywood whackers that Randy was going on about. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, well, he just. I mean, he was a paranoid to a like a criminal degree. Is he just hanging in Canada now? Like in a cabin or something? Yes. I haven't That's... looked into it in a while. Okay. But he was, yeah, he was like kind of off the scale paranoia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, because I th- seem to remember him running off to Canada and not hearing anything since. So for all I know, he's in like the woods of Alberta, you know, like writing a manifesto. So, I mean, as long as he doesn't hurt himself or other people, he can do what he wants. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're not hurting anyone, hang out in a cabin, write your manifesto. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Writing it in poop. <laughs> <laughs> little stinky there not good for the old smell of vision (laughs) (laughs) um today it is the first day of august i guess it's prime baseball season right but but let's talk about what you're up to uh okay well um currently we have a couple of movies gonzerific my friends and i here in athens have a couple of movies out that you can watch on streaming on the plex uh streaming uh service streaming platform you can watch our film space boobs in space and on the reverie stream platform which is exclusive for lgbtqia films filmmakers and stories you can watch the movie 
Bad Girl Dracula. Our current DVD we have for sale um, is uh, Ariola Jones and the Home Video Vixens. And uh, we don't have any shows or convention appearances coming up because I'm working on our next physical release, which is called Jugsaw. And I was originally hoping that that would come out in March. But I'm taking my time with it because uh, I don't owe anything to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what did you screen at the beginning of July? Oh, you're talking physical uh, release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. Jugsaw, we, we showed, yeah, at the beginning of July. We had a, at the premiere screening at uh, Metropolitan Studios. And that was because... The, we made the bookends of it there and uh, uh, they offered me a, yeah, to, to screen it there and, and as a premiere. And we typically don't have premiere screenings of any of the mixtapes. The only other time we did that was with um, Space Boobs showed at the Trio Art Gallery. So it's more of just like if someone wants it, we'll bring it. But otherwise, these are best seen either at the film festival that we do each year or um, viewed at home you know, just in pieces. Watch it in pieces. Like you chop, like you get to chop up your DVD and spread around on the floor and look at, stare at that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to you, especially if you try picking it up with your ass. <laughs> uh, this is time enough podcast. It's time enough pod on Twitter and Facebook and Patreon or podcastio podcastius, where you can also hear us talking about science fiction films pokemon monster hunter and well i don't talk about those so much but some people do and maybe you like that so <laughs> <laughs> some people are into hunting the monsters for sure yes <laughs> you're into knighting the forts i guess i mean the monsters they make me happy Came to me about a stormy sea. 
Upside down when you're hanging around. 